Hey everyone, it's Maribel Blue with another KEM Top Talk show. Today's guest is the fabulous Mistress Daria, and I'm so excited. You have heard her ads on the show. We play it religiously because I just love hearing her voice. Other than, yes, we do play Goddess Natasha because she has a whole different realm. But Mistress Daria was interviewed on the lovely magazine, which I own. It's called kinkemagazine.com. And she was interviewed recently. And let me tell you how crazy this is. I mean, I do a lot of interviews. And as I'm working on her cover um, and I'm saving it, like something else comes up and I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> I interviewed her before. <laughs> I know. I totally it's crazy. I mean, and, but you know what? It's good because, you know, as time goes on, we evolve. My line of questioning changes. Your education, you know, changes over time. So it's kind of good to catch up and, like, do the comparison of the both you know, like what what you were doing at this time in your life as opposed to now, what has changed? And um, and your answers were fabulous. So let's get into a little bit of announcements before we begin the interview. And, of course, we have to play intros and all of that stuff. Um, by the way, because we're, you know, this is a Saturday. It's May 11th. This show will go up today, because I was thinking about it, I was like, wait, we did all of these shows, so yes, this show will go up later today, but when you're hearing it, it'll, it'll be up. Um, I recorded my unfiltered last night, it was live, and we are still doing the contest, we are giving away a chastity device from Locked in Lust, it's called The Bite, and I put a trivia question out there, there was a show that Casey and I recorded from the book of of Nancy Ava Miller. It's called Pervert Notes from the Sexual Underground. We read a passage of when she had sex with a black man for the first time. There was a surprise element in that story, and we wanted to hear the answer from you. So there's still time to get your answer by listening to Episode 9 of Erotic Experiences. Tweet at me the answer at Maribel Blue and at Alyssa Black Pro, and she will take care of sending that advice to you. Guess, I mean, it's like, what's wrong with winning a free chastity device? Right, Mrs. Zaria? Absolutely. We can all use another one, right? <laughs> <laughs> and from what I hear, that often was, it, it's called the bite. Um, I actually put it up, but I, I can I can send it to you. You have to see this thing. It's it's I mean it's like it's not like any other chastity device I've ever seen. And I'm actually in touch with the girl who handles uh you know selling this product. And we're gonna do an interview together because I want people to know more about these chastity devices. They're really really popular, and um. They come with keys and everything. I mean, like, I don't want to go into the whole thing because I don't, I'm not familiar with the entire product. So I want to let her uh, talk to her about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's called Locked in Lust, which is pretty cool. 
Um, so yes. we will definitely be talking to her more about that. But as far as the contest is concerned, there's a chastity device waiting for somebody. If you could just give us the answer. <laughs> I should have like a, awesome. a, yeah, like I need like a spooky. I think I was, I was looking for that download, like a, a download, a spooky laugh wave sound so that uh, I could play it. (laughs) The other thing is that um, Sibian, who's sponsoring the shows, Sibian.com, if you go to their site and you purchase any product, a Sibian, a Venus, whatever it is that you purchase upon checkout, type in promo code KEM50 and you will get $50 $50 off your total purchase. So go to Sibian.com and support them because I interviewed Dave Lambert and he's one of the most fabulous people on earth. He created this product for uh, having a never-ending orgasm and you will have fun. You and your partner or whoever it is that you decide to use it with or on your own and do a clip, whatever it is that you decide to use. Go to their website and make your purchase. And I'm, I got Three more to go, so be patient with me. BDSM Elite. <laughs> it is a new webcam streaming company. Um, you can stream from anywhere, and this is for the the BDSM female dominatrixes who like to do long-distance training or do anything that's BDSM fetish related. Whatever that is, I'm not going to go into specific details because then I'll be here all day long. But if you want to expand your horizons and and be able to stream live and make money at the same time, go to kinkymag.com, click on the BDSM Elite banner, and there's also a demo video that you can see what the screen will look like with the little spin wheel, and they have to pay every time they spin the wheel, and you can create all sorts of things of what you want the wheel to say, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so check that out there. And two more announcements. Adult Fun Finder, as you know, they are sponsoring the magazine. So if you go to their banner and you join Adult Fun Finder, they want to hear your honest reviews. So if you can join and submit a review of what your experiences was like on Adult Friend Finder, those who have their reviews chosen and published on Kinky Magazine will win a free prize. It will not be a chastity device. That is a different contest, (laughs) just to make that um, specific. And last but not least, as I said last night on Unfiltered, There is a photo shoot for webcam models that's coming up on the 17th of May. I have not put the flyer yet because the person that is putting everything together, Mr. Anthony, and, of course, my friend Buster Brown of Come Shoot Me, they just want a little bit uh, detailed added onto the flyer. So I will be putting up that flyer today. But in the meantime, I can convey the information to you. The company is called Girls Want Money, brought to you by Voyeur Life, Inc. It is another webcam company, and they will be having a big photo shoot on the 17th in Vegas. Um, Anyone who's interested in participating must submit a headshot and four full body shots. You do not have to be naked. I mean, that's 
not what it says here, but you have to be, you have to meet, uh, meet model requirements of what it is that they are looking for. Entirely different company. I don't make the rules. They do. So I'm just conveying the information that they are asking me to. Um, so submit your photos to girlswantmoney at yahoo.com. And from there, those who will be chosen will be giving details of the location and times, et cetera, and, uh, and then they'll take it from there. Unfortunately, I cannot be there, but uh, trust that this is a reputable source because I would not be sharing this information if I did not feel comfortable with it because I know people are funny. You are safe, my friend. Buster Brown is there. He's an excellent photographer. He's been around the industry for years. He has shot Exotica, ABN, Xs, and you can see all of his work on ComeShootMe.com. And most importantly, I handle all of his social media, and you can find him at Buster Brown Photos on Instagram. And you will see right there that Kinky Magazine handles his social media. So, yay, that's it for announcements. Let's get started with the interview, and let's play the music. time I say to myself when I play the music, I'm like, maybe I should change the music. But this music, literally, <laughs> I've been playing the same intro for years now. And I say, well, if I change the music, then will people get confused that it's not a KEM Top Talk interview show? And then Uh-oh. the conversation goes away. So welcome, right. Mrs. Daria. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. What a what a pleasure it is to to have you on the show. Now, we interviewed you for the magazine, and we asked an assortment of questions. And I, I, I don't think I got a chance to put up the old interview because I, I want to be able to do that and say, you know, see Mr. Zaria back when we interviewed her. I think it was like 2015 or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly when. But let's talk about everything now. We interviewed you for the April issue, which was literally last month. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came into becoming a pro-dominatrix, and what has that been like since you've been aboard or abroad? <laughs> Whatever you want to <laughs> Part of the scene, right? So I... Mm-hmm. I developed an interest in high school and I sort of dabbled in it in lifestyle, uh, went to clubs and things like that um, because it was, it was kind of highly accessible in the, the communities that I was already running in artist communities, musician communities. I was sort of one of these Gothic, like heavy metal chicks, but mm-hmm. um, yep. I was, you know, running into people that were into leather and into kind of like alternative lifestyle issues already but I didn't really get into the pro scene until uh, later. And I really didn't have the maturity really to do it anyway until later. So it's probably a good thing that I didn't discover the pro scene, you know, at 18. But when I was Mm -hmm. 25, I met a woman here in Dallas who had her own dungeon and uh, had a good 15, 16 years under her belt already. And she became Mm -hmm. my mentor. And I went to work with, with her for her in her dungeon for a good long while until I finally felt like I was ready to have my own space 
and I branched out and uh, in 2008, um, well, actually, I was still working for her in 2008. 2009 is when I officially opened my own dungeon in, uh, mm-hmm. in Plano in January. And so I've been sort of doing my own thing since then. I still collaborate a lot with other pros and with her. I have constant contact with mm-hmm. her still. Very good friends uh, for these past 17 years. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what is it like to be a pro? That's very difficult to describe because I really don't have anything to gauge it against. You know, it's just been my life for the past yeah. 17 years. Uh, I, because I was going to ask, you know, when somebody is looking to be a part of this lifestyle and and getting connected, I, I mean, I, I could relate to the whole goth music scene because I was right there with you, <laughs> you know, like back in, right. I think, like 2001, 2002. It's kind of like, you know, the introduction, I guess. But when you're serious, then when you're serious about what it is that you want to do is when you start, like, seeking really deep into finding people who are outside of that or who, who have broken off from that and, and started practicing their craft so like how do you go about that like do you go to somebody and say can I train with you or do you kind of just slip in and and hang out with them you know I guess what I'm trying to get is that there has to be some sort of humility to come to a person and say I'm interested in this lifestyle I would love to be under your mentorship and and begin and then kind of finding that point once you have, is there like a certain time frame or is it just the comfortability within self to say, okay, I'm ready to venture on my own? I think it's a combination of things. You know, I mean, it, it really, it depends on the chemistry between the mentor and the mentee. And it, it also depends on the maturity level of the individual. I have a lot of people that come to me who want training in their early, you know, early twenties. And I, I almost always think to myself, this isn't going to work. I haven't seen anyone stick around, you know, because people haven't really mm-hmm. developed as much. And I, I, it's interesting now that we see a lot of really um, early 20s, you know, people getting involved in BDSM, whereas before I never really thought, you know, that they had the maturity or the staying power to handle it. They're, they do seem to be staying mm-hmm. on the scene a little bit more than they did before. I'm not really sure what that, that means, but um for me personally, I, I, it was, it was difficult to be humble in the beginning and take orders <laughs> and listen. Yeah. And, and now I do it. Now I do it out of experience because I realize that a, it balances my personality, but B it also mm-hmm. always works. And since her advice has been so consistently true and has worked, it's very easy for me to get into that humble mindset of I'm going to listen to this advice. But when you're young, uh, you know, and you feel like you, you know, like you know everything already, it can be difficult to receive instruction. And I think that's one of the, one of the ironies of becoming a dominant is that I, I don't know any pro doms that are great who didn't have awesome mentors or some type of hands-on training. People who mm-hmm. have decided to just sort of, you know, delve into it based on what they learned on the internet, um, I, you know, they're... I don't know a lot of them and this just may be my own personal experience that I feel have, um, have honed their skills very well because I really feel it's, this is one of those things that we, we do best when we um, apprentice. And so the hands-on quality of training, and that's what's so important about DomCon 
and having hands-on training or having people who have been there to kind of show you the pitfalls, mm-hmm. show you safety, you know, the, the instruction is key to keeping the community mm-hmm. safe. So um, you know, um, I'm glad I, that, that I just reached a place. No, keep going, keep going. I, I reached a place where I felt like I was ready and she agreed. And, it, you know, at that point I split off, but it could be different mm-hmm. for each individual. I was I was going to 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 ask you because you were talking about more of a younger generation that that you see getting involved and and some of them stay some of them don't but do you think that part of the reason why this younger generation is finding BDSM is because of movies or the internet or books or television shows yeah. that are just popping up that make it so easy and so inviting. Do you think that's part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So that that is a key element right there because we didn't have access to as much and, and in a way that can provide a form of training. Um, but I still believe that hands-on training is superior, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of its right. kind of set of qualities. So. How do you think that it affects people in the long term, not just people who want to be part of the BDSM world, but how outsiders view the people within the BDSM community? Because, I mean, think about it. Back in the day, I mean, I I was a little girl, so I didn't understand, but the comparison is like from the 70s, until now, do you think that mindset perhaps may be the same where the BDSM community is still regarded as, quote, unquote, perverts, you know, the perverts of the underground, as opposed to yeah. people who are smart, intelligent, you know, and they like doing this because they get pleasure or enjoyment out of it? Right. Well, I've made jokes about myself being a pervert because I, I like to kind of uh, I like to kind of take the pressure off, you know, these labels. But the reality is mm-hmm. that everyone in some capacity has some type of fetish. And the realization mm-hmm. of that, you know, came from working with people in the public, working, you know, on an everyday basis where people would come in with their hat in their hands, you know, act like, oh, woe is me. I'm so weird. I have this fetish. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you and about you know, 50% of the rest of the population, they're just not talking about it. Right. They're just not, you know, this is not a topic at, at the water cooler or at lunch or whatever, because no one really wants to talk about this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. with people that they don't have an intimate relationship with. And a lot of these people that actually come to me because they've been so programmed to think this stuff is weird, they think they're the only one. And I'm like, look, everybody I talk to is having the same fantasy and then telling me I can't talk to my partner or anybody else about it because I'm afraid of the repercussion and I'm like but you're not Mm -hmm. alone because everybody has this so it's odd that we would be considered the underground when we're actually the majority right it's just most people don't really have the courage to act on it that might be the distinguishing factor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh they and and also they probably just don't want to accept it so why is it like something like Fifty Shades that has a distorted sense of what BDSM is about became popular. I mean, I never read the books. I didn't see the movies, so I can't say 
well, it's because of this and that. Like, I, I can't honestly say that. I don't know if you took the time out to read out of curiosity or see the movie just to see what everybody was talking about. Because I know that some people will do that, and I don't begrudge them for that. They just want to have that knowledge and information to be able to say, this is, this is what it is, and this is what it's not. It's kind of like the Hollywood versus BDSM. The only exposure I had to uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was a parody that was done at the Eisen Center here in Dallas, which was a play that was made to make fun of it, to mock it. And so that's the only Mm -hmm. real exposure I've had to Fifty Fifty Shades of Grey. But I have a few things to say about that. And I, I, the reason it's popular, the the reason it's popular is is multidimensional. The the person who wrote it, um, her father is very famous movie actor and then also it's it's kind of indicative of some of the ills some of this psychodrama the ego and hyper capitalism you know these these kind of like themes in our culture like greed mm-hmm. or the objectification of women you know that those those things being deeply set in our in the modes of our our society uh, it's really a commentary mm-hmm. on our society that it should have gotten that that popular um, because this is what a lot of our sexuality is driven around in the vanilla world. So it's interesting that mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey took a BDSM theme, which is which seeks to fluff off, you know, the mainstream, and literally turned it into something vanilla. I mean, I don't know how you take right. BDSM and make it vanilla, but they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, um, and so it's just it's interesting to see that you know that overlay or this juxtaposition where. You know, it's really highly misinterpreted, but it is indicative of the will of the people and what we have taught people, mm-hmm. what values we've taught people. And that's why it became so popular, because it was sort of like a, uh, you know, a concentration or a hyper hyper realization of what was already ill within our society. It just sort of brought it to the surface. But I don't know much about the actual storyline because I did not read the books. I did not watch the movies. Um, it just didn't interest mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think what's frightening is it just makes me think that we have we have so many different resources, and I don't mean that like in a good way, but I'm talking about resources of the internet, of books, of movies that just seem to sensationalize a lot of different aspects of BDSM lifestyle, and then someone new coming in, thinking that she can have this life with uh you know, like the the characters based on in the movie. Um, isn't that frightening for somebody who thinks that they can take sessions and and maybe they are or maybe they're doing things online and then a client will think if she's not charging as much that he can basically skim off of people that have been around for many years and developed a very good craft of what it is that they do. Does it make okay, it difficult for you? Okay, I lost you somewhere in there. Are you saying are you saying that people watching these films are getting involved in the community simply because of money or right, simply because of money and then, you know, they'll undercharge and then the uh, client can turn yeah. around and say, you know, well, I paid this amount, you know, for to get spanked. I paid $20, right. so that's all I'm going to pay. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah. getting at. 
Yeah. Okay. So this this is this is a problem within any within any industry, though. The way that capitalism works is that it's based on competition. Usually, though, what I have found is that um, people know what good BDSM is. They know when they've reached subspace. They know when they've had their needs fulfilled and met. And so, over the years, and my mentor used to say this to me. You know, when when things would get bad in the economy, a lot of people would sort of bum rush the the BDSM section, and they all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all of these people who didn't really have any experience were suddenly dominatrixes. They were dominatrices of, you know, the upteenth caliber, and never heard of them, but they were they were there to you know do whatever. And eventually, the client catches on, the submissive mm-hmm. catches on, and goes, "This isn't good BDSM. This sucks," even though it was cheap. And uh, we'll Mm -hmm. matriculate back into our arms saying, well, I went to so-and-so and and they, you know, did, did X, Y, and Z, which is really outside of the scope of BDSM or doesn't belong in a BDSM scene. And I didn't get my needs met. Will you spank me? And actually we Mm -hmm. heard those stories, you know, where, where maybe Mm -hmm. someone who was more into escorting decided to masquerade as a dominatrix and didn't really understand the psychology and uh, the next day he came in and said, well, I went to see so-and-so yesterday. And the dominatrix says, well, then why are you here to see me today? Well, you know, she did this, perform this particular act, which I wasn't looking for and didn't want. And I never really got to subspace. Can you spank me? That has actually happened. So here's the way I view what you just described. Even when a lot of people become aware of BDSM and they decide to kind of jump in, you know, and flounder about and don't really know what they're doing and don't know what to do um we always still balance back to center you know and it, it's a mm-hmm. self-maintenance in community so if you're not really doing things properly or with you know with enough passion or uh with enough safety or with enough experience uh the the system balances itself out by eliminating those who don't really belong there so right. Exactly. You know, the the same is true, I believe, even with, uh, say, someone like myself who may have been in for a really long time and maybe loses passion or speed, you know, and has to either readjust or take a hiatus. This this realm is self-maintenancing, you know, whatever is supposed mm-hmm. to be there at that particular time. And maybe I'm sounding really idealistic and optimistic is going to be there and that eventually it will all work out. But I've seen this over the years where there's a swell of new people and they come in and they kind of don't know what they're doing. And if they don't really get it or they don't click, they just stop and they leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, the, and every now I and mean, then I there's a the bad guy. For every that... now and then there's a wolf, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I think we were just having that discussion before offline, you know, and then there are some people that can just reappear and say they've been around for 20 years and it, it kind of falls into the same category where you start to look around and say, have you really been around for 20 years? Like, I don't, right. I don't remember right. you. Um, yeah, why you know, are you not, and I, why, I would why say, is there no presence? Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think for anybody that, that should be able, if you're questioning that, that should be able to be your answer, or you should come to that conclusion if you're questioning it. Um, that the conclusion is whatever it is that you're feeling inside that perhaps it's right. Maybe there is something not right um, there, uh, which is strange. There was something that I was writing here when you you talked a little bit about the psychology, and I wanted to know why does psychology play a role 
And how can one be able to master that without a degree? Because, I mean, we all know, and I'm not saying that not everybody doesn't have a degree. They could have a degree in, in something else and, and, and just, you know, took psychology just out of curiosity but not have, a, you know, a degree in psychology. So how can somebody be able to, to master that? And, of course, I know you're going to say it's going to happen over time, but how does one begin in that journey to understand that um, and take their submissive to another level of subspace? I want you to think about that answer for a minute. I'm going to play some ads, and then okay. we are going to come back with more of Mistress Daria on KEM Top Talk interviews. We will be right I not only want to control and dominate your body, but delve deep into your mind. Do you know the secret to domination? It's making you want what I want. Abandoning your own wants, needs, and desires to fulfill my wants, needs, and desires. Neil. Worship and serve. Visit me at worshipnatasha.com and begin the road to submission. Garvey's Hotel and Bar was solvent until the 2008 crash. With imminent ruin on the horizon, Jody comes up with a radical idea to revitalize Garvey's, hosting orgies in the bar on the weekends. Jody convinces her conservative twin, Jackie, to try the new business plan on a trial basis. However, things come to a screeching halt when local law enforcement shuts them down. Jackie and Jody must team up with citizens in the small Arizona town to keep the orgy bar alive. Get all six ebooks of the Garvey series for five fifty-five only on Amazon. I'm Jackson Wheeler, founder of Dom Gang LLC and Heart and Child LLC porn star and international adult entertainer. I'll be touring the United States and the world soon. Follow me for the most up-to-date schedule. The website www.domgang.com On Twitter at DomGangLLC On Instagram at Church of Jackson J-A-X-T-O-N My new single Where Are You is coming to Spotify and other music outlets early next month. Expect merch from Dom Gang within the next few weeks, along with some other cool things to discuss tomorrow on KEM Top Talk Radio. Hello, Dallas-bound subs and fetishists. This is Mistress Daria, kink enthusiast extraordinaire, inviting you to come stay in my dungeon, play in my dungeon, or visit me on one of the many extensive tours I do throughout the year. Learn more about me at www.mistressdaria.com. Be sure to read the FAQ and fill out the application page before contacting. You can also check me out on Twitter and Instagram as Mistress Daria. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Spank. And we're back. And, of course, we are going to play Mistress Daria's ad with Mistress Daria on the show, (laughs) which I think is pretty cool. All right. I got to hear my own voice. That's great. 
<laughs> I said to myself, I wonder what she's doing on the other end because I was like, click. I was like, that's the last one I'm going to play. <laughs> Me and my ear. So it's lovely. Yes, I I love your ad. I love it. I love Goddess Natasha's ad too. She's like, your wants are now my wants, and I'm like, right. yes, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, on your knees. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It's just the best. So before we took the break, um, the the short commercial break, and again, this is Maribel Blue with KEN Top Talk Interviews. I am interviewing Mistress Daria, who was featured in our April issue. And the last thing we left off was with why does psychology play a role and how can we be able to master that? without a degree? That's an interesting question. For me, it was trial and error. Obviously, you know, all of my uh, experience was hands-on. But I think I'd been toying with these kinds of concepts since I was a small child. So, you know, a lot of people can tie their kinks back into their childhood, but I it was something that was already important to me. And I, several key things happened to me over my, my childhood that just made me realize that I was different. But when it comes right. to the psychology aspect, why is that important? Because BDSM is a cerebral game. If you can't do it without all of the gear and the furniture, then you aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. And so people who uh, rely on a bunch of fancy fetish clothes, or lots of, you know, gear and stuff like that, um, you know, aren't really, aren't really getting into the deeper realms of top and subspace, you know. I mean, you could be a fetishist and just have a sexual affiliation with an inanimate object, say a shoe, or you have, like maybe you're a rope enthusiast, um, and it's just the tactile feeling of that, simply that and that alone. But mm-hmm. when we're talking about BDSM, when we're talking about domination, uh, it is a cerebral mind game. And all of the things that we use in the dungeon are simply tools and not facilitators. The facilitator is the mind. So if you don't have a good grip on the psychology, uh, an understanding, at least intuitively, whether it's you know on a, on a high discernment level or not, is really irrelevant. If you can't at least empathically understand what the other individual is going through, then it's going to be very difficult to connect. It's going to be very difficult mm-hmm. to create, you know, dream worlds or fantasy feelings um, that, that, you know, speak to whatever that, that fantasy is. You're not going to be able to get that person to uh, comply or to, you mm-hmm. know, get into a relaxed state of surrender. Uh, the psychology is extremely important because a lot of times, People are very specific about what their triggers are, and they know them uh, because they've experienced them repeatedly, and it's not really voluntary on their part. Now, I, let's understand, you know, our audience will be listening to this, that every dominatrix is different in what it is that, that they do. There are some that go to a more extreme level, as we have seen uh what, like a month and a half ago now, those extreme levels, there are people who were not accepting of it and called it that it was abuse, that it was not BDSM. And then you had some people that were asking, well, what is the problem 
here? Do you have an issue with the bruises or do you have an, an issue, period? I, I mean, there, there were many different sides that were that were outspoken about this, these pictures that, that circulated the situation, yeah. um, bashing the, the woman who, who was involved in, in, with it. Um, and there were so many different factors. So what are your thoughts about the whole situation? And you can be honest because, uh, you know, I, I interviewed somebody else. I interviewed uh, Mistress Thick. And she she played a different side. I wanted to hear her her opinion. I wanted to hear her thoughts because I mean, let's be real. There, it's not like we can't say there isn't such thing as extreme kink. There is. It's there. Right. You know, you right. go on the internet and you type it in, and and you know it's going to be there. But uh, is it something for like Twitter, let's say, where it seems everybody is on and they're sharing their clips and they're sharing pegging videos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what is too extreme? And is there such thing as not being too extreme? Maybe it's just not meant for public consumption. Well, looking at those pictures right away, um, you know, the way they're taken is pretty dramatic, but also he's taking them because he's showing Mm -hmm. them off. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the, the, the reality is that, you know, most of us are probably trained to, focus our impact play on the buttocks and the back of the legs, um, you know, because of, of just obvious trying to avoid bony protrusions. But if you look at a Mm -hmm. lot of um, kink videos from say the OWK or just extreme European, you know, whipping videos, uh, the lacerations of a bull whip and a cat of nine tails that go all along the back are very common. It's mm-hmm. very common to have those mm-hmm. gashes actually open, open bleeding mm-hmm. down the back, down the back of the thighs. I myself have done a lot of sessions that required extensive aftercare, you know, mm-hmm. so what was the problem with this particular post? And if I look at what, what the real issue is, I feel the real issue was that, it was being posted on Twitter. It was being posted on social mm-hmm. media where a bunch of vanilla people could have access to it. And so immediately mm-hmm. the knee-jerk reaction was for the pro-dom community to come in and denounce it because they know that we've gained a type of visibility that we really don't want. And why don't we want it? Because how do you explain mm-hmm. that? It was so out of context. Here's a couple fit, uh, pictures, and here's somebody kind of arrogantly saying, look at what I've done. And, mm-hmm. of course, a lot of people are just not going to know. It wasn't a video from start to finish of how this happened. It was literally just one little blip, and it could be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why there was such a backlash in the community to denounce it, to try to, you know, mm-hmm. ameliorate any, any, you know, or circumvent any type of, protest that might happen to like look at what are these what are these people doing maybe we should make this illegal and you know there were some concerns that I I could get on board with some of those bruises were pretty you know pretty close to the kidneys or ribs mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know we mm-hmm. usually we usually are pretty careful when we teach our classes about how to do impact play again to try to avoid permanent damage and so the fear 
at, at looking at these pictures is, could have could have the possibility is there is the possibility there the permanent damage could have been done bones fractured kidneys damaged these are i think legitimate concerns but the problem is that nobody went to the dom and the sub and said can we have a discussion about what this means everybody just immediately mm-hmm. started flaring up out of fear out of defense mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. to you know assuage what what it looks like is going on there, which was, you know, a heavy beating that could have landed someone in the hospital, but clearly he's not in the hospital because he's standing there taking pictures to show off. And he's clearly proud Mm -hmm. and he's clearly satisfied and he's clearly fulfilled because he's not complaining. So Mm -hmm. this is, this brings us back to what, you know, when it comes to impact play and pain play, what is abuse and what is not abuse? And Mm -hmm. I think it was unwise part of that dawn to, to post these pictures on Twitter. And I think as a community, we need to start thinking about what are we doing? Are we, are we exposing mm-hmm. ourselves to people who have not had an education enough to understand how to deal with us properly? And then we're going to have to go through the emotional and psychological abuse of their misunderstanding and misinterpretation being flashed at us because we exposed ourselves in public. And it makes me think of a great mm-hmm. line that Midori used to say a long time ago, don't drag other people into your kink. Mm. And that's what happened. Then. You know, I mean, if we, if we were more prudent about what we're posting on social media, realizing that the audience is not purely our own community, we could probably learn to get along with everyone a lot better if we just use a little common sense. But social media has become mm-hmm. such a giant, has become such a... Uh, mainstay of everybody's lives that we don't really know how to function without it. And that's a travesty because I remember days before Twitter when my life was very stable and compartmentalized without a lot of this um, fear of exposure, even though I had my face in magazines and I had my face in my ads, I didn't really have to worry about these two worlds colliding and clashing with each other. Right. And that's what's going on. I like that you brought up the point of not dragging other people into your kink and for, you know, because my my thing comes up is is that people in social media, they think because they're on Twitter that it's okay to be disrespectful when addressing things. And you're right. Where is the part where people can contact other people and and talk to them on the side and say, hey, listen, maybe you shouldn't have put those pictures up. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, and I'm not trying to tell you how to run your dungeon or, or how you, you deal with your submissives. But, you know, maybe there are just some things not meant for, for Twitter or any other open social media that, you know, other people are on these platforms. Because there are many a times, I mean, I'm not running a dungeon, I'm running a magazine, but then there are times that I'm like, do I really want to put certain things out there? Do I really want to say certain things? And and I'll find myself backspacing or just deleting the whole thing and just or putting it in drafts and saying, well, maybe I'll change my mind. And then later on in the day, it's it's forgotten about. So it's it's clearly something not important for me to to uh, to discuss or say out loud. However. In addition to, to to the things that that people were saying, 
there were there were some people commenting about the clip site and challenging the clip site to take these things down or take the, the person's account down. And personally for me, I didn't think that that was a wise thing to do. I mean, do you think no. that – I know you mentioned no. that you don't do clip sites, but challenging clip sites? Right. So there, there again, this is the problem when novices come in contact with – you know, extreme experience. People in these videos are not new to the scene and um, mm-hmm. there is no right way to do BDSM. So there's some extreme BDSM out there that is not for me, but guess what? I'm not here to limit anyone's. There's, there are plenty of activities within the BDSM community that I personally don't want to engage in, but I don't want to tell anybody else they can't mm-hmm. just because I don't want mm-hmm. to. And it's a slippery right. slope because just because you don't morally feel like you want to participate in something doesn't mean you should be able to tell everyone else that they have to do it your way. You know, mm-hmm. now maybe mm-hmm. these elements being part of the uh, BDSM family, you know, are embarrassing for you when, it, when coming in contact with vanilla people. But just like any other family, you're going to have an awkward aunt or awkward uncle, and they're still part of your family. You don't get to just say, well, let's murder that uncle so I don't have to deal with the fact that, you know, this is my family. You know, the, the idea is that you do not want to be judged for what you're doing um, should mm-hmm. unilaterally apply unless it comes down to a child, an animal, or uh, some right. other helpless being that is not consenting mm-hmm. to that action. But someone in a clip mm-hmm. who decides that they want to be kicked in the ribs and beaten with a bullwhip uh, because mm-hmm. they like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it offends you, don't watch it. <laughs> right. Don't tell the, 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 the clip producer that they can't be part of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, especially again, out of context, these clips are made specifically for a specific, you know, uh, audience that likes it. And if mm-hmm. you can prove to me that there is some intrinsic harm that is done upon society or the individuals that are uh, engaging in it, I would be willing to reconsider my position, but I'm not one to believe in any form of um, limiting the freedoms of speech. And the, the video, the clip that you're talking about, the, the clip that came after the, the post on Twitter of the man being beaten by two uh, protons mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a rather vicious way, yeah. but but nonetheless a very BDSM way because he's wearing a collar and you know maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. fit the form that some people take, but um, we don't all do BDSM the same way. And that clip to me right. looks very similar to a lot of sessions I've actually done. And so I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand what the backlash is except that we are all in a collective state of shock. Because we've been mm-hmm. under a state of persecution with FOSTA SESTA and a lot of these like mm-hmm. super white right, you know, things mm-hmm. that have been inflicted upon us over the past couple of years. And the last thing we need to do is turn on each other. You know, right. that's not gonna solve the problem. Well, one of the things that I that I was making because I'm making notes here, um, is the kink shaming slash airing dirty laundry and and that's what I feel sort of what happened with this whole situation we do have a lot of things going on um and you know is 
kink shaming the right approach to to tell people that they're doing something wrong? Well, it depends on what the kink is. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I if someone is actually doing something wrong, like if someone is harming someone against their will, that obviously needs to be addressed. But kink mm-hmm. shaming, you know, um, A, I don't really see how it's going to achieve anything. Um, right. But B, you know, I again, uh, I've never seen it work, you know. So, um is it the right way well, to guess, go about things? You know, we should yeah, all have I the freedom. I, if I don't like something, I should have the right to say, yeah, I don't like it done that way, and I don't particularly care for it. I don't like limiting right. speech of any kind. If you're going to do something, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to withstand the fact that someone might not like it and push back against it. But you can also use the prudence to not put yourself in the line of fire, like putting yourself into a vanilla audience that isn't receptive mm-hmm. to what you're doing. Within our own community, um, why that kink shaming is occurring on my my personal opinion is that it's occurring because we have gained hyper visualization that we don't like, mm-hmm. and we are hyper defensive because of the attacks that have happened on our community. Whereas before, you probably wouldn't have heard these complaints, no one would have said anything, but now everyone's on high alert, and you know. Well, even even kink shaming to a level where if I see something that I feel is wrong or you're you're doing it as wrong, kink shaming in the sense of you're wrong and I'm right. What I've been saying yeah. is wrong is right. I'm right. I'm you know that 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 easy yeah, no, place. Yeah, no. I don't think that's going to work and I don't I don't really think it has mm-hmm. a place. I have there are several kinks that I'm not into. I am not into scat play. I just don't mm-hmm. like it, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't really agree with it, especially you know mm-hmm. on a one-on-one basis is one thing, but I'm especially um, opposed to it being part of the professional kink scene. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am not standing around trying to make laws pass for it or get anyone, you know, uh, to stop doing it. I, it is none of my business. And so, right. you know, I believe I believe very strongly in the nature of the universe sort of working itself out. And when human beings try to inflict control on other human beings based on their own personal desires for how their the microcosm of their environment or their life goes, that is what causes problems on a large scale eventually. You know, it, it mm-hmm. is not going to change my reality or my child's reality if someone else has an abortion, right? And so Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. someone, you know, if someone feels that they need to go into someone else's house and tell them how to live their life, how to have sex, how to, how to pray, dress, live, you know, all of this shit is really unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And most people just cannot wrap their heads around the fact that if they're doing something that not everybody else needs to do it too, you know, there, right. there is power in numbers. It, I mean, I can understand trying to reason with someone to see your point of view if you feel strongly about your position, but they need to be willing to engage in that conversation with you to begin with. You can't just, um, you know, go try to force your will upon others and, and expect mm-hmm. a good result. And our entire society has designed itself in this 
in this way politically where we're constantly trying to force others to do things they don't want to do, which is it's an incredible waste of time and energy and resource. One of the things that you know, comes up that that uh, that I've I've been seeing on on this specific board, you know, it's it's more related to the adult entertainment industry. But what affects the adult entertainment industry, of course, filters down to the BDSM fetish community and how they conduct business on social media and and what they choose to display. Is that Twitter? A lot of a lot of things that keep coming up that Twitter may be the next one to start curbing the adult content that is being displayed, as we see now openly. I mean, you know, this, there's really nothing left to the imagination when somebody puts a clip of pegging somebody. You know, you you see yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's just there, you know. Right. I mean, and, and not just pegging, but, but other things um, as well. Do you think that if something like this did happen, how it, how it may affect how anybody does business? Forget about that they can't display it on Twitter, but that how would it affect business as a whole? Do we begin to, to the, the model concept of what we were doing before, like advertising in newspapers? I is it a good thing? Is that. it a bad thing? You know, I just don't <laughs> see that happening anytime soon. And I, mm-hmm. you know, when I stop and think about, like, why all of this is happening and how do we get back, um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. You know, I don't I, – I'm trying to figure out how we got here to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, there, there's always this ebb and a flow and, you know, I kind of feel like what will, will happen is that it kind of, it, it reaches a zenith or a climax and then it takes a deep breath and kind of relaxes for a while and slips into even obscurity to some degree and then sort of rebirth. And mm-hmm. so it's really hard. I never, you know, 10 years ago, I could have never, anticipated what this realm would turn into and the iPhone really greatly changed things. And then of course all these tools changed things and, and, uh, and it was great for a while. And I think it will probably calm down. People will start realizing how detrimental using social media is for this, for us, for our, you know, for our purposes and will coagulate back into our own, not totally homogenous, but maybe in some cases more homogenous groups. I've spent more time on Max Fish mm-hmm. re- recently, Dickie Virgin Guide, um, you know, I Fet Life, you know, where we go into mm-hmm. our community and we kind of try to maybe pull back the reins a little bit and regroup because, right, because it, like you said, it it's not satisfying for us. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I miss mm-hmm. some of those finer feelings that we had before when, mm-hmm. you know, people weren't, weren't so driven by all the porn that they were watching, but they were actually driven by the complexity of their own imagination, you know, and that's mm-hmm. a far more valuable, um, and that's a far more rich experience when someone's coming from a, that deeper place, but we all become mm-hmm. over inundated with the media that we're, 
involved with, whether it's Facebook on a vanilla level or if it's, you know, reading too much of the news off of our iPhone or whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing too much porn on Twitter. Um, You know, don't get me wrong. I am sex positive. I'm very much, I Mm -hmm. believe that we should have the right Mm -hmm. to produce as much porn as possible. But we need to learn how to manage these tools in a way that is not detrimental to ourselves individually and, and to our community at large. Wow, I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. It's, it's, it's a lot to take in, and you're right. There isn't much left to the imagination anymore, which I always believe was a good thing. You know, this is the reason why I got into erotic literature in the first place, because it, 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 anybody can read the same words, but your imagination and what you envision in your head is yours, and it's not somebody else's, even though you're reading the same content. And I think that should, you know, go the same way with with uh, with the BDSM community with dominatrixes because there there are many dominatrixes you know that I've interviewed I've never never seen like a clip or anything like that so everything is left to my imagination of you know how fabulous they are and and and, and the things that they're doing behind closed doors that that we don't that we don't get the pleasure to see which of course piques the curiosity of a person because I've never seen a clip of you I have no idea. You know, I can only use my imagination, which makes it more intriguing, not just on the level of what you can do visually, but the knowledge and education that you have that you can share with us, which makes it even more intriguing for me as a writer, you know, who who interviews different people um, within the fetish community. I mean, there are some people that I don't interview because I'm just kind of seeing it out there and I'm saying to myself, well, what's the intrigue factor, you know? I mean, it's like right. no offense to, to them and anything that they do, but when it's out there for the whole world to see, I'm kind of like left with, well, you know, what what can exactly we talk about to make the, the interview interesting? Or maybe they don't want to be interviewed, you know, because you just don't see them anywhere else or promoting anything else, and, and that's okay too. Um, I think it's important to reflect the the educational aspect and the knowledge that that people have, like yourself, you know. And um, a lot of times, looking at pictures, you just don't know, <laughs> you know. And that's and, true, um, you know, and, and that could cut both ed- ways, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for for sharing your time with me and with our KEM Top Talk audience. Is there anything else that you want to touch upon that maybe I missed out on? Because sometimes I can miss out on things. Can't really think of anything. I think we covered a lot of the the more important basics of um, you know what's going on in the world right now. But I, I also think you know, a lot of this all just sort of balances itself out over a period of time. And uh, when the overarching political structure isn't putting pressure on our community, you know, it does, it does have a tendency to flourish. And the things that have come up in the media, I mean, it's just the normal course of action, but it's our responsibility, those of us who are in the community, you have a lot of time invested in it, a lot of, you know, knowledge. It's our, it's our job to gently you know, educate those who are willing to listen. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. not to really force our agenda on others because it's a waste of time and energy and to just focus on improving our own communities and, and, and making them safer. 
um, through education, you know, and that's, that's really just right. the key is just to continually improve ourselves so that we don't have to worry about, you know, defending ourselves. And, and that mm-hmm. means just being, being smart and, and using common sense. <laughs> You're not going to change everyone. Yeah. We wouldn't want everyone to be the same. Part of the reason why what we're doing is special is because everyone isn't doing it. So do we really want to mm-hmm. proselytize and drag everyone into it? No, right. absolutely not. But exactly. it wouldn't be as special. So, uh, you know, keeping that in mind, you know, I think it's, we live in a day and age where everybody's trying to scream for validity and, and they want, you know, their identities to be respected and stuff like this. But really sometimes getting back to that word humility, a little humility and just, you know, common sense will go a long way. And I, that's what I've been employing mm-hmm. lately is just where, where can I take the most pragmatic path in fulfilling my desires and stabilizing my life and making sure that I'm not, I'm not bothering someone else while I'm still completely fully actualizing what I want to do with my life. And that's the Mm -hmm. important part is the balance, the balance of, you know, yeah, there's some people in the government who are making laws, making my life difficult, but at the same time, I'm not going to back down, but I'm also just going to steer clear of them, you know? Right. Right. Yep. I'm I'm with you on that. There are things that I don't discuss because not that I don't care, but because I don't have knowledge of it. So I don't want to make a fool out of myself and say, yeah, I'm, I'm that. <laughs> and then people are just going to look at me like, yeah, she's stupid. <laughs> right. I just, I, I, especially when it comes to the politics. I mean, like when I said, when I was going to do my, my unfiltered show, I said, send me a topic. And it can't be politics because I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not well-versed in it. I mean, it's not like I don't see what's going on in the world. It's just not my cup of tea to to spend an hour or two. If you can't fight it, if you can't fight it, it doesn't really matter whether you have knowledge of it or not. If you can't fight Mm -hmm. it, then the best thing to do is to find ways to avoid it. You know, and so Mm -hmm. there are always going to be people Mm -hmm. who don't appreciate what we're doing. And this is back to that social media thing. If they don't understand and they don't care to understand, mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. that we can do about that collectively. And so the best right. thing to do is just to avoid the conflict altogether since it's a pointless battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't believe, you know, again, us tearing each other apart within our community is not the answer. So if I don't agree with with what some other dom is doing, I don't like the way she runs her dungeon, or I don't like what what you know she practices, what she engages in. I can have mm-hmm. my opinion, but I don't have to right. advertise it and cause strife and dissension within our own ranks. I don't have to, you know, try to change her. I can just let her be, and I can do my own thing. You know, and this is such common right. sense. But if we mm-hmm. don't do that, we we are weakening our own. We're weakening our own position for those who truly wish us harm, you know, and that is Mm -hmm. not, I'm not going to pander to them. I'm not going to placate them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, by tearing apart my colleagues, you know, we are stronger together in that, you know, women in this business who have stereotypically been those who network with each other tend to have the stronger practices, tend to have the better, you know, dungeons, tend to be the better people uh, because, you know, we realize that community means, you know, networking and not tearing each other apart. There's always going to be some right. outlier that people don't like, but 
um, you know, scoffing at extreme BDSM, unless that person has been put in the hospital and was dealt with so irresponsibly that, you know, they are in fact damaged or, um, you know, they commit suicide. I heard of an instance of a, a sub being so poorly treated in Europe once that, you know, mm-hmm. he jumped off of the building. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. I would say then it's time right. to not kink shame, but form an intervention in the mm-hmm. community and go address that person because that's criminal. Mm-hmm. But short of that, right. you know, kink shaming behavior you don't like is so oxymoronic because here we stand saying we want to be left alone and left to our own devices and we want the outside world to stop trying to inflict their rules upon us and how we live our lives and what mm-hmm. kind of marital structures we engage in and yet turn around and, you know, take it out on our own, our own colleagues, or our own community members that is insanity. Yeah. It doesn't, I it won't work in the long run. I completely agree with you on every point of that. I mean, it, again, it all goes back to that airing the, the dirty laundry. You know, we, we all grew up in that we don't disclose certain things that go on in our home, but it seems that, that social media has changed that where people feel the need to you know, have this open door policy, if you will, where they just talk about everything and anything and they don't have filters on on their thoughts. And, you know, sometimes I, I think my thing has always been that when you share something, uh, there's always somebody on the other end that's reading it and applying their own emotions and feelings to your words. And now they've twisted things around because because they've added their emotions into your words. And even though you may have a different intent, um, a good example was, was something that, that somebody had, had tweeted about about Trump. And, and I said, my words were, what? You know, without the T, you know, that, that what kind of a thing. <laughs> and I put W-H-A dot, dot, dot. And then I said, I think it's time for me to get off the Internet. You know, something sarcastic. And then the guy writes back, and he used to be on my Facebook, but for some reason he unfriended me, and I don't care. He says, are you with him because you're putting wah, wah, like crying, like I'm crying? And I said, no, read again. That's not what I said. I'm being sarcastic. So it's, I mean, even little things like that where somebody can misconstrued a WHA to, you know, a wah, wah, crying, of, crying thing. And then I have to right. go back and explain um, a sarcastic point of view. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is not what I mean. Because everything's so, so polarized, not, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's that it's that kind of a thing where, you know, and it's just, it's just as, like I was making my point before that if I type something and I'm typing it and and maybe I'm angry while while I'm saying it or maybe I'm feeling a certain feeling towards it, um, how is somebody going to feel about that? And I try not to think about what other people are going to feel, whatever it is that I'm saying. But at the same time, I have to take that under consideration only because there are so many people that just take your words and misconstrue it for something entirely different from what you've meant. 
and and yeah. then it's going to into an argument that I don't want to be a part of, <laughs> especially on social right. media. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not taking my time out of my day to, like, type in. And then, you know, when you're doing it from your phone and you have long nails, you make more typos, you know what I mean? Because you're angry and it's like, <laughs> I can't be a part of this. <laughs> it's just too much to deal with. It's like I should have never said right. anything in the first place. I'm taking down the tweet, you know, and then, like, no one right. could reply to anything because the tweet is gone. But, you know, I mean, it's like I've, I've had that experience before, like years back when I first started doing social media. And then, of course, as you grow over time, you're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tweet about my food anymore. There's a reason why I have this account. So, <laughs> Right. Let me use And it's it hard not to get political you know? because social media is full of politics. But the reality mm-hmm. is that we're facing, you know, needs to be addressed, uh, you know, per case in point. And that's, that, that's back to that, like, these little snippets of everything taken out of context it's just not helping mm-hmm. anything and it's not getting us anywhere. And, you know, and we know this, but we have to stop being reactionary and, you know, being inflammatory on social media based on our misinterpretations of these, these little things that are said that are sort of, you know, stream of consciousness, which a lot of times, you know, we don't sit back and think about what we're saying before we say it. And then, you know, bam, there's a whole Twitter war going on and it, it's a useless waste of time. We're not we're not being constructive right. in these patterns, and it, it's a waste. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of our energy. I I have I think we were talking about this one before the interview about how much I just I sort of wonder, um, you know, how much social media has really just not done us a good service. You know, we, we right. really don't. We could we could fare better without it. Uh, you know, just employing some of the things that we have had in the past. But, you know, until people start to feel the burn of what social media is doing to us socially, um, we'll still mm-hmm. have these patterns, you know. And and then once we people wake up and think, you know what, I'm going to have to live a real life, not one that's, that's on social media, maybe we can get back to, you know, a healthier state of being or, or evolve into something else better. But for now, it's the way that things are, and we need to at least learn how to manage it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been doing lately well is really pulling back on how much, you know, graphic pictures I post on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. social media is a better, you know, device for uh, dialogue and for, you know, small advertising. But when we're posting really intimate photos or inflammatory photos or um, really highly graphic photos, we have to stop and mm-hmm. consider that this is going into the hands of, a very diverse audience and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. taking a big risk there because it's not like before where you're just loading up something on a clip site or loading up something on, you know, um, a fetish site, you know, where everybody is familiar with the content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said, Mr. Stoyer. Well said everything. I love everything you have to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's food for thought. It's educational. It's something to think about, um, and it's something that everybody should be thinking about, not just you, not just me, and not just anybody that we know that we're close with. It's definitely advice that people should heed for their own well-being, first and foremost. I mean, you know, forget about everybody else, but for their own well-being, because there are people that just get so caught up in the whole stigma of 
of social media and, and who they want people to think they are. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, living a different life outside of that, you know. And I, I, I right. mean, for me, I just try to remain the, the same person that I am on social media that I am in real life. I mean, it, it would be hard for me to play two different roles only because I'm doing a radio show. There are times that, you know, I go to different events and I'm recording. So, you know, in order for me to be consistent, I have to be me. I can't be, you know, I can't be anybody else. And I'm not going to be anybody else as a result of it. But um, you make really good points, and I hope that the those who listen to this show will get so much out of everything that you've said. I mean, it's like we've covered everything from A to Z, and I appreciate you taking the time out again, <laughs> taking the time out of your day and, and, and speaking with me and speaking with our audience and, and sharing your experiences as well as uh, – you know, your educational thoughts on everything that's going on within social media and and everything else in the world. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And with that being said, this is the end of the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back soon with more KEM Top Talk interviews. Thanks. Bye.